Welcome to the Winner Circle Real Estate Podcast, the podcast for you, our members of the Winner Circle community. In this episode, we're joined by Paul Foster from Ironbridge Real Estate in Takapuna, a suburb on the Northern Island of Auckland, New Zealand. Paul's career in real estate now spans two decades, and he's going to speak to us today about the very relevant topic of resilience in real estate. Thank you for joining us. Uh, my name is, is Adam Horth on behalf of the Winner Circle, and we're joined today by Paul Foster from Ironbridge Real Estate in uh, Takapuna, New Zealand. Well, Paul, thank you. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us on, on this episode. You're actually our, our first international guest on the podcast, so uh, I really appreciate that. How are, how are things in New Zealand at the moment? Oh, thanks, Adam. No, it's a pleasure to be here be on here with you uh you know things are good yeah i mean you know when you look at what's happening for you guys over in australia really feeling for you guys it's um obviously going through uh certainly new south wales pretty tough um so yeah feeling pretty lucky the the way things are moving on that front and yeah our market's still humming along as well so uh we're busy excellent excellent how um how well, like, how long has your market been going well for over the last? Like, has it been since since sort of COVID and you got that momentum that we've got, or were you before that? Or yeah, it was straight out of lockdown, really. Um, so we're sort of eighteen months into a into a real boom market, which um, you know listings are tight, so that's that's the flip side of that. But it's um, it's yeah, in terms of a, it's very much a seller's market at the moment. Yeah. Excellent, yep. excellent. The um, and in general, what are we today? So we're recording this uh, about uh, about a week and a half into August. August um, get getting good momentum, like it's still still humming along. You're happy with the results so far for the month from from your and your team's perspective? Yeah, I think we're starting to get a bit of momentum from the listing side, which is which is obviously the the important side. Um, I mean the the selling side that that will happen anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just starting to. You know, trying to show that people are looking at a move anyway or looking at a sale uh, perhaps into spring, the real benefit of, of, you know, what's happening now, the shortage of, of listings and how it's playing out um, and, and with a long settlement, what, what it can mean for them. So, um, and that's for people, a good, good strategy and we're starting to see that, that come through. Excellent. That's great. That's great. Can just for the listeners um, who who don't know you um, as well as others would, Paul, give us your roughly in that fifteen to twenty year mark in real estate. Is that is that about right? You're in that sort of range. Yes, yeah, so I've been I've been at Ironbridge now for coming on thirteen years. Um, yes, I had a couple of years of experience in a in a different real estate life. Um, more from an investment side just before that that was my, my introduction to real estate so yeah coming on to the 15 years in in, in the game shall we say excellent um, and yeah 13 years as a as a salesperson well I was I was looking at your uh, your LinkedIn profile just ahead of this and um, I think you describe yourself as a real estate sales machine I think is your official title you have on on LinkedIn there so um, obviously sales is is your domain but do you work with Adam as well on the on the running of the business side of things or the the aiding in the team have I got that correct yeah 
Yeah, we we're obviously constantly in, in touch and, and um, aligned on a lot of those things. Um, I am a full time salesperson, and that's what I'm I'm doing. But you know, in terms of some of the um, some of the decisions that are being made and, and strategizing and things, yeah, I'm, I'm involved with with Adam um, and and Brent at times as well. Yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Excellent, excellent. All right. Well, I want to. Um, Let's jump into it and and start um start unpacking what we've got to, we want to cover in this episode. But I want to kick off with um as we always do with a field challenge that we've that we've had. And I I must say I really appreciate the listeners because um this is one of the first ones where we've really received quite a number of field challenges actually. So um so I really appreciate that. And um a couple of you I've been able to get back to on email. We we were not able to cover them all on the podcast, but. As always, we try and pick something that's relevant to the market at the moment and relevant to um, to people at large. And so, Paul, I just want to read this one out to you in full as we received it. It's from Scott Joyce. Scott works at our Flynn Co. Real Estate in uh, in Victoria, so under uh, under Mick Flynn, um, Michael Flynn. Sorry, Michael Flynn there. And uh, Scott has written in to say, look, how how I explain his challenge he's facing is how I explain the buyer's price declaration or also known as the silent um, offer form, um, he feels that the way he presents it has been lacking something. It's not an issue with how he's presenting it to vendors at the listing presentation, but rather presenting and, and unpacking the process to buyers. Scott goes on to say, I would love to hear how high performers go about this from the time frame between multiple offers being made, how long to run it for, how to explain it to buyers and keep some of them from walking away. Do you get both offers in writing, then go back to all interested party and say it's a multiple offer? So he, I, I guess Scott's just looking at the situation there where we're facing with um, not every sale at the moment, but certainly um, plenty of sales where we are experiencing those multiple offer situations. Um, do you get a lot of them at the moment yourself, Paul, in your market? Yeah, it is. Yeah, very common to have multiple offers um, at the moment. And and I I can understand that being a challenge because it's it's area that you see where so much can go wrong and mm-hmm. and it can actually you know and so much can go right because it can end up in a great result for, for the seller um but there's a you know it is something that's delicate delicately poor at times and, and i think it's it's an area um i mean you could you know you could you could write a full playbook on on, on how to deal with it but it, you've got to read the play i think in, in any given situation it's um um, not always as straightforward as, as it might seem. No, and that's one of the things we have to do, isn't it, as professional salespeople, is is read the play of what's in front of us and know what what the common threads are that we want to lace through any negotiation that's best for our sellers. But as you say, sometimes it boils down to the specific parties involved that that has an impact on on the timeframes that you allow this process to go for or, or the steps in which they unfold. So let, let's let's start by having a bit of a look at your process there. So. Um, do you, at at Ironbridge, do you use a version of the multiple offer form or the the buyer's price declaration, something along those lines? Yeah, so we've we've got both, um, and the the multiple offer form, you know, when it is a multiple offer, it sort of serves a similar sort of a purpose. I find personally that the buyer's price declaration is particularly good with a single buyer. Okay. Um, yes. Because it, yeah, it, it results in a, a similar sort of a process of a, you know putting your best foot forward um, if there's another buyer that comes forward and if there's not, but it's just a way of flushing out 
is their best offer uh, without the multiple offer. When it truly is a multiple offer um, and it's competing offers, um, it's yeah a similar process again, but 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 a, a little bit easier to to put it across to a buyer of of what against um, in terms of you know best foot forward time. Can you tell me then if uh, let's let's stay on the the multiple buyer situation? At what point in the process do you opt to to tell buyers, look, this is this is a multiple offer situation, and um, we're going to have competing offers on the property? How do you? At what point do you sort of start to introduce that to to the buyers? As early as possible, because otherwise it, it, it can seem like a, a real estate tactic, you know, a ploy. So, so to set them up for that, somebody's got to be first. Somebody's offers are always going to be first. Mm-hmm. And we, we need to let them know that, that look, this property has generated strong interest um, out of fairness to all parties. We will um, have to let everyone know there's a, there's a competing, well, there's a first offer in. Um, and I also have to let my colleagues know. So it's sort of setting them up the, the expectation. Is that, that it will be a multi-offer. Um, otherwise, like I say, people are pretty suspicious of real estate agents at the best of times, but certainly mm-hmm. in a multi-offer when all of a sudden, hey, you've oh, 10 seconds ago, it was just me. Now you're telling me I'm up against other people. Um, so to set them up, the likelihood is, um, but also to, to let, let them know we're here to help them buy the house. You know, it's, um, you know, to show them that it's not, um, you know, we're working with them, not against them. Um, yes. and, and if, Certainly, certainly, if you've managed to build that relationship with the buyer, this level of trust there, um, then you can actually just you know hold the hand and show them how they can own the house. And that's right, because I, you know one of the questions, or when Scott goes on with his question, he said, "Look, do you get every offer actually in writing?" Um, and that's one of the things that I I always encourage my salespeople to do when I'm selling a property is to sit down with every buyer, even though sometimes that can be six, seven buyers. I understand potentially the the, the perceived fruitlessness of, of that exercise, but it's sitting down with them and letting them know not only is it about your best foot forward in terms of price, but it's also their best foot forward in terms of the terms that they want to put towards the seller in it. Like, is it going to be a cash offer, a finance offer, a building and pest or an as is, where is situation? And spending that time with the seller, especially if you're getting an offer 10, 20, $30,000 over that asking price, sometimes a hundred thousand over the asking price, which is not unusual. When that happens, it's, you really can talk to the seller then about, look, I've spent a lot of time with these people. And although buyer one, this is their highest price. I think buyer two at a little bit lower is a bit more of a sure bet for, for, for these reasons and allows us to give the seller the full picture to make the, the most informed decision, if you will. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, so, and, and like you say, the, the highest offer might not be the best in, in their situation. Correct. Um, yeah, and every offer on it merits. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. In terms, uh, Scott, of just um, the question you said there, like I, I like what you said there, um, Paul, is someone has to be first. I think that's a really that's a really good, you know, to, to reassure buyers that, look, someone's got to be first. You've got to, you've got to throw your hat in the ring. I personally, I must say, until I, and it's, everyone operates in different markets. We, we certainly have circumstances where we sold a house a couple of, couple of weekends ago now where we had five written offers on the property. I must admit that that is unusual for us as, as an office in, in our market, even though it's, it's certainly a seller's market at the moment. If we find ourselves in a multiple buyer situation, it's, it's unusual to get more than three, three buyers doing that. So, But what is usual is you can get a buyer, say, 
or two buyers, three buyers say, we're all going to make an offer on this property. And then only one of them actually does. So I, I would be loathe to say there, Scott, it is a multiple offer situation until you're actually sitting down with that second buyer, getting them to sign the buyer's price declaration and then going back to that first buyer. But if you suspect it's going to happen, sowing that seed whilst you're sitting with that first buyer and saying, look, this may turn into a multiple offer situation. This is the process if that happens, but just letting them make an offer that they're comfortable with at that stage. Does that, does that sound re- resonate with yourself, Paul? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, and and again, showing how you can help them. I mean, I've got a, a few similar stories, well, stories that I can tell buyers where um, one in particular where where somebody came in, they had an offer, um, they signed a buyer's price deck that, that, to say that was their best shot. They missed out and they came back and said, we'll, we'll put another 10 on that. And, and you know, so that that's on me to, to actually make sure that I've explained the process properly. But I can use that story now and say to people, because funnily enough, I bumped into them a while ago and they, they told me, um, this is going back years, but that they yes. we stalked that house. They said, <laughs> we used to drive past that house and look at it longingly and go, why didn't why didn't we listen to Paul? Why didn't we just just, just go for our top dollar? And I can yeah. tell people that. So that, that wouldn't, you wouldn't want that to happen to you. You wouldn't want to miss out for the sake of those tens. And, and when you get that extra 10,000, it's like, well, what if it goes for another five? And go through that process and say, if you miss out on this property, do you, do you really feel like you, you've actually put it your best foot forward and, and you're comfortable to say, hey, look, if somebody else can pay more, then, then good luck to them. And, and once you've really got that assurity, like you can, you know, and then when you call them to tell them they missed out, then you don't have that conversation. That's 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's those what if questions, um, you know, what if you found out that, yeah, someone paid another $5,000 for this property, how would you feel about it? What if someone paid another 10000 et cetera, et cetera? I, I, I like that at the end of the process as well, though, Paul, that when, when they've given you that final figure and you, I then like the what if question as well, okay, what if I ring you in a couple of hours and say you've bought the house? How do you feel? Do you feel like you've overextended yourself? Do you feel that you've that you've been pushed too far? And I think that's an important um, important question to ask in the process as well. That's not to talk them down, but it's to put them in that time machine to see how they feel, knowing that they've secured the property at this particular price. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and, and also the highest price sitting down when they're writing their offer to to a couple of hours later so it's worth checking in again at times just to go back and say look we're presenting as i said at you know four o'clock uh, today just wanted to check in to make sure that you you are comfortable that if that if you do miss out um that you, they really have put your best foot forward because some need to go back to them and just just reassure them that you know we'll, we've got you back here but is this your best shot Absolutely. And you, you introduce a concept there, which, um, which is good to, to let everyone know as well, is that concept of deadlines. I mean, deadlines really can, uh, can work in your favour. They can work against you. But I think in a multiple offer situation, and again, you've got to, you've got to make the decisions based on your marketplace, your property, the, the, the parties that are in, involved, but there has to be a deadline in place. So if potentially you've had a lot of your inspections on the Saturday, a lot of buyers have been introduced, you might say, look, come two o'clock Sunday, we're sitting with the sellers presenting all the offers. You might say four o'clock that afternoon, you might give it till Monday. That's your decision based on, your market, your parties, what timeframes that the people realistically need, but also keeping that a, um, a shorter timeframe to ensure that urgency is there with, with all parties that are, that are moving forward. 
Yeah. And, and I think also, so, you know, we don't come across as, as the villain is to, to actually say, look, we are, we're instructed by the vendor. So, so they may or may not accept an offer today. They may want to run it a little bit longer, but they yes. may, they may want us to, to negotiate with one. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we are, you know, guided by the vendor. They make the final calls. Um, so, so when you go back to them with whatever that might be, it, it's not, it's not you saying it. it it's, you know, you, you, you're the messenger on that. Absolutely. That once again, that higher authority where we're using that, but in a, in a different, in a different sense. Yeah. Terrific. Okay. Well, Scott, I hope, um, I hope that answers some of your, your insights there. It's a, it's a, it's a hard one to answer specifically and say, this is step one, this is step two, but there are some, some common threads through there. I, I really would say though, as a, as a final point from my side of things, Paul is um, ensure you do use in that multiple off situation, the buyer's highest price declaration form or, or something similar. So, uh, rather than a legal form to say you're involved in a multiple offer in, in Queensland here in Australia, there is a best practice form that the REIQ provides us, which which um, which indicates a multiple offer situation. But what the buyer's highest price declaration does, it actually says, this is the most amount of money I'm prepared to pay for this property. And if someone offers more, I understand I will not get another chance to put my, to put my foot forward. And putting it in such a such candid language, I think really does get buyers to push themselves and, and ask themselves that question, is this actually my best foot forward? Yeah, no, it's good. And it's actually a good time to remind me because, you know, when you've been doing it for a while, sometimes you get away from these things which have worked so well for you in the past and, and, and their basics. But I mean, it is a great form in the language that it uses and, and being able to explain it to a buyer. And again, what's the benefit to, to the buyer in all this? And, and, and it's the benefit to you buyer mr and mrs buyer is, is this is how i'm going to help you own the home you, you it's all it's all very straightforward you're giving it your best shot we'll work out what your best shot and let me help you with that you know let me help you work out what is your best foot forward here and, and you know we wish you luck in owning it and if not that, let me help you find something out let me help you find something else because because then they're going to trust you into the next time around that's exactly right. And it, it, by giving them that level playing field, like you say, it, it, it does, it does um, let them know, okay, Paul's not doing the wrong thing by me here. He's, yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's, uh, that's terrific. Excellent. Scott, I hope, that is, uh, I hope that is a value, mate. Thank you. All right, Paul, well, let's get into our, um, the results for, uh, for the month of July 2021. And uh, as, it, as this market continues to be, it's been another, um, another absolutely cracking month. Um, but uh, we may have to rename July to, uh, to Hudson Bond because uh, the team at Hudson Bond really have, uh, they've had a, a tremendous month. So congratulations to them in advance, but we're going to mention them a fair bit. So let's kick off with... Uh, with our salespeople in terms of sides, so their number of sides that they, the unconditional sides they achieve for the month. We're starting off with uh, Peter Skapitas. So Peter is at Hudson Bond Real Estate, uh, led by Paul Kunos, and Peter did 26 unconditional sides for the month of July. So, um, you know, 26 sides, that's a platinum quarter, and he's actually done that in a month. So uh, <laughs> just that's so uh, impressive. <laughs> it really is. It really is. So congratulations. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to you, Peter, on a, on a great month. Peter's teammate, Dylan Ashby, also at the same office at Hudson Bond, did 18 unconditional sides for the month. 
congratulations, Dylan. So again, just such a um, such a solid solid performance, consistent across the team there. And in third place, Luke Kunos uh, did uh, did eighteen uh, unconditional sides also for the month. So um, yeah, really really great to see three people. It's our first time this year we've seen three members of the same team all uh, all land in those those first, second, and third positions for the month in terms of sides. So congratulations to uh, to the three of them and to the team. Yeah, it's all. It's just always an inspiration listening to results like that. So you know, well done, guys and. It's just, yeah, like I say, impressive and inspiring for, for everyone, I think, within the group, just to, just to hear that and, and see what's possible. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly right. Yeah, 26. It's funny, it, it, it raises those um, those barriers of expectation when you see, okay, so you can do 26 sites in a month if you, if you knuckle down and you plan and you prepare and you execute. So it really does, yeah, as you say, change the perspective of what's possible for yourself. Yeah, like I say, it, it's just just an inspiration because when you hear those results, you know, because you've got your office, which is, you know, there's internal competition. Um, but when you when you look at the greater group, I, I just think it, it just helps you raise your raise your own standards. And, and um, yeah, I just can't say enough about just seeing what's what's being achieved by by people within the group um, and how that helps all of us. Absolutely. And, we, you know, one of the things we've hoped this year with with having the podcast is so that this, you know, introduces those results and makes it more visible to people so that they can see, um, you know, those results. And, and as you say, it, it allows you to look further afield from your own team and that own internal competition to see what, what other people in the industry in the same marketplace are, are achieving. The um, I want to I want to give a special mention to two others who um who uh, have achieved their first time though in the top twenty so in their careers so this first one very special Lorraine Johnston from uh, Liz, uh, Higgins Real Estate and Lismore so a, a huge congratulations to both Sue and Patrick Higgins for um for getting Lorraine into the top twenty and well done to you Lorraine she um Lorraine has done thirteen unconditional sides for the month of July and as I said it's her first time in the top twenty so coming in at number 12 position there so a huge congratulations to you Lorraine very uh very well done and the other one I want to mention is um is Alex sitting in 18th position Alex did 12 unconditional sides for the month of July and and Alex works um with McFarlane real estate under uh under Noel and um I'm having an absolute mind blank all of a sudden uh, Jacob <laughs> Sorry, Jacob, if you're listening, I uh, just had a complete mind being there, but working with Noel and Jacob. So congratulations to Alex. Uh, yeah, 12, 12 sides for the month of July and his first time in the top 20. So very well done. If we move to dollars now, so with dollars for the uh, for the month once again of July, we've got uh, a couple of familiar faces from our uh, from our side to the month. So Dylan Ashby, who, um, he was actually our number one salesperson in terms of gross unconditional dollars for um for the month of July and Dylan's dollars for the month were 220,642 just for that single month so um i got to say every now and then you like to annualize those results and if you do that you're in the uh the 2.5 million dollar territory for the year so um some pretty impressive results there Dylan well done that's chunky <laughs> it's what sorry it's chunky that's chunky chunky, change, right? <laughs> <laughs> chunky i like that word that's exactly what it is it is chunky 
Peter, uh, Peter Skipetis, again, who was our number one in terms of side, he's come in at number two in terms of dollars, uh, bringing in 192720 So congratulations, uh, Peter, again there, as I mentioned, from Hudson Bond Real Estate. But we've got um, we've got Paul Wells from Wallamont Nutt and Mount Martha, led by Fergus Nutt, and uh, Paul brought in um, $168,000. 564 for the month. So a huge congratulations to Paul uh, getting into that third position for the month. Um, that's on the back of 11 sides. So they've got quite a quite a large or quite a high average selling fee in that office. And it just goes to show that um, you can still do high volume in those higher fee areas if you knuckle down. But yeah, 168,000 for the month. Congratulations to you, Paul. Well done, everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our, our top 20 BDMs, um, we want to go through and have a look at the results there of what some of our BDMs achieved in July. So we've got Joe Niewand from Smarter Property Management, uh, led by Tracy Lake. Joe, once again, has taken out the uh, the first position for the um, for the month, and she brought in 22 uh, new managements for the month of July. So a huge congratulations to you, Joe. Um in trying times at the moment, you you don't have, or we're certainly not seeing, I don't know if it's the case for you, Paul, but not as many investors coming into the market, not as many investors buying property. So our BDMs are having to look further afield to find those good leads to um to get new managements into, into the office. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're seeing that as well, for sure. Mm, yeah. Uh, Cherie Goodwin uh, from Calandra City Realty, led by Ben Price. Cherie, a very consistent performer, but she uh, brought in 18 for the month of, of July. And that tied with Rebecca Wood from Ray White Real Estate in Toronto, who uh, whose leader is Paul Wrigley. And um, Rebecca also brought in 18 for the month, which is just uh, just phenomenal work from, uh, from, from those ladies as well. So congratulations to, to them. But um, seeing as we've got you here, Paul, I just want to mention four fourth position as well because uh it's Monique Inglis from from obviously from your team Monique so Monique brought in 15 for the for the month of July so um it, it tells me here this is uh the 68th time Monique has been in the top 20 for BDM so she's obviously been with you guys for for quite some time yeah yeah so consistent yeah she's uh she's a machine actually so she, she just keeps trucking away um and and as as you say regularly in those um right up there so yeah, she's uh, she just yeah. keeps on going, and she's a workhorse. No, nah, that's fantastic. Well, congratulations to her as well, and to your team as well for for getting that getting that there. So you know these long term performers, you you know you know obviously the individual comes into their their work ethic, their goals, their expectations of themselves. But you only a lot of the times you only get this longevity in these some of these careers when they've got the right team around them. Wouldn't you agree that 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 gives them that support and continues to back them up and celebrate their wins with them? Yeah, that's right. If they've got that environment that they're comfortable in. And, and it just gives them, you know, an ability to thrive and, and be consistent. Yeah. No, it's great. Great stuff. And lastly, I just want to mention our prospectors, who are our prospectors for the for the month of July. Um, once again, Hudson Bond uh, taking at our first position. We've got Denny DeNicolo. So Denny, um, as a home finder, it's actually Denny's first time landing in the top 10. I suspect Denny is new uh, to the team and uh, he has he has brought in eight listings as a home finder. So congratulations to Denny 
Um, you know, they, you said it before as well, Paul, listings are tight at the moment, but there you've got someone who's, who's focused down and knuckled and brought in eight new leads or eight new listings for their team in a, in a single month, which is just, uh, just phenomenal work. Yeah, that's right. I mean, as a home finder, you, you know, it's, um, it's, they're long days. And so to get those results and, and, you know, that's the reward and, and yeah, well done on getting eight. That's, that's, that's great. Absolutely. It's, it um, says here, Hudson Bond's fee is just shy, like their average fee, just shy of $20,000 there. So you're talking, Denny's in this market, you know, where everything essentially is selling, he's brought in over $150,000 worth of fees for, for himself and his team there. So it's not all about the dollars, but it just shows that, you know, that that business is out there and that opportunity is there. And, uh, and that can really help you achieve some, some big goals. So we've also got in number two, someone else, it's their first time in the, in the top 10 for our prospectors, and that's Isabel West. And Isabel is a sales associate with Gary Nash & Co. down in Wangaratta, also in Victoria, led by Gary Nash. And um, is it, so as a sales associate, Isabel obviously supports her team in a supporter capacity, but also then prospects in her downtime. And in her downtime, she was still able to manage six leads brought in for the, um, for the office for the month as well. So a huge congratulations to you, Isabel, um, on some really, really great results there. And in our third position, we've got Ellie Hisco. Um, so Ellie is becoming a, a more and more common name in our top 10 of prospectors. Ellie works at Calandra City, City Realty. Uh, led by Ben Price. She's part of Ben's team of home finders that he has in his office. And Ellie brought in five for the month as well. So congratulations to you, Ellie, and to everyone who landed in our, in our top 10 for prospectors for the month. Another, uh, another really, a really great month and some great results we're seeing there. Yeah, well done, everyone. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. Do you have um, any home finders or sales associates on your team at the moment, Paul? Yeah, we've uh, we've got a home finder that's um, in just in her first month. So yes, yeah, she's um, um, I listed one of hers on on Friday. So she's up and fantastic. Running. Yes, um, and yep, yep, and, and a sales associate as well. That's um, he's yeah a uh, couple of months in. So yep, we're uh, yep looking to grow the team as always. Excellent. Is that Dylan? Is that your associate that's been with you a few months? Have yeah, I got his yeah, name yeah, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah, Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, terrific. Great stuff. All right. Well, yeah. no, yeah. really no, look forward to seeing their results coming through. Congratulations to them as well. So, all right. And and look to everyone. What a what a great start to uh, to the new financial year. Some exciting results there and um yeah, well done to everyone on their on their results for July. Congratulations. All right, Paul. From here, mate, I want to get into to our sort of main topic and get your insights into this because, look, we wanted to to delve into the topic in this in this episode of um of resilience, and and the reason that's come up and I thought a, an interesting topic is and and why I wanted you to speak on it is for a couple of reasons. You were obviously a voice within our within the Winner Circle community last year that we lent on um, when COVID when COVID came. I know you're involved in a couple of our online workshops that we did in in that respect. Um, You've also had the perspective. I know it didn't impact you directly, but uh, back in 2011, your your um, the people on the Southern Island, New Zealand, obviously went through the earthquakes in, in Christchurch, and there were lessons to be found there. So, but I think anyone who spanned a career, you know, 15 years, obviously resilience and and think like having to overcome different things at different times has obviously arisen. So, 
can we start just in in general sense painting painting with a big brush if we look at the situation that we're in at the moment with the covid pandemic and you look at what happened in Christchurch uh, 10 years ago now, what what similarities do you see in terms of challenges or ways that people are dealing with these events? What what can you look back on and, and connect some dots with there? Yeah, you look at the way they coped with that, and that, you know, that was a sudden event that obviously with, with the earthquakes and the 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 instant. Uh, reaction was to rally around your people um, and you're seeing that as well I think during the, the, the pandemic is checking in, in on your own people and, and just making sure that they're okay mm-hmm. and and if they're okay that, that that's the foundation for, for, for everything else and then then it sort of expanded very quickly from checking that the the, the team were okay and the team's families were okay uh, for the earthquakes and 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 with the pandemic is is uh, let's check in quickly on our clients and see how we can help them you know because everybody's everybody reacts differently you know yes. you, you, if you again contrasting the, the the earthquakes for some people it was it, it was just so traumatic you know for, for just about everyone but it was for some and, and everybody's reaction um and situation some people their houses um, you know, others didn't, um, and and with with COVID, you know, different people they might lose their jobs. Um, so it's just checking in on people and wiping the slate clean before you do. And how are you? Not not with any preconceived of, you know, I'm going in there to to to, to fix something. It's like how just checking in on people. So it, it's it's about the people. Um, so quickly, uh, we saw that in both situations. Absolutely. It's a, it's an interesting point you make there. Like you, you can't go in with any preconceptions onto how an individual is going to be taking it. Because like you said, for some people in Christchurch, they've lost their house, they've lost their business, they've lost their job, whatever it was. For other people, it's just a saying that hap- they've happened and they're rallying around and helping their neighbours. So, and as you say, same in COVID as well. There are some people who've just like, it is what it is. Let's get on with it. Some people have really struggled with, um, you know, with their, with their mental health, not being able to get outside and exercise and, and these sort of things. So you've just got to be open and, and, but I like what you say there, check in on your own house versus in your team and then expand that out a little bit towards, um, towards the clients and the, and the community at large. Yeah, for sure. And that's something that um, that our listeners can can on a on a smaller scale when you find yourself, um, you know, Australia has gotten into the habit at the moment, which, which I understand. I've got no uh, no criticisms of it, but these snap lockdowns that we're seeing a lot. So in Queensland, we've had a couple of three day snap lockdowns. We've just gone through a um, we've just come out of luckily a uh, a seven or an eight day lockdown as like snap lockdown. Victoria's just gone back into one. So you can you can take those sort of that same sentiment, check in on your team, check in on your clients to see how they're dealing with that situation. Yeah. And and with these snap lockdowns, you, you, it becomes quite clear you, you've got your controllables and your uncontrollables. You, you know, you can't control the, the, the virus, you can't consult, control the lockdowns, but you can control your reaction to it and, and what you do with your time you've got available. So it, it, there's a real distinction, I think, between what's controllable and what's not. Um, certainly now. 
Paul, can I take you back then? Because I remember I remember following you on social media last year and uh, and watching how you and your family handled the the COVID pandemic when you guys were in. How remind me how long were as as New Zealanders were you guys in in that? You know, you were in one of the most extreme lockdowns early in the pandemic. How long did that actually go for in the end? Uh, so we were yeah, just shy of two months uh, for that that first one. Yep. Yep. And um, you mentioned there your controllables, and that's what I, you know, I found interesting watching you is is you were really you seemed very deliberate in the behaviours you were doing on a daily basis and what you're in, what you were doing. So how did you, what sort of facets were you covering off there um, on a day-to-day or a week-to-week basis to, to keep yourself moving forward and on track and in control? Yeah, I, it, because it, you know, it was becoming clear we could, it was going to last, you, it became um, quite obvious that, that, that this would come to an end at some point, but you're going to look back at it and go, did I make the most of that? And mm-hmm. and I, I just wanted, I just made a decision early on. I want no regrets. I don't want to look back at this because because even even a couple of weeks in, you, you could see people going, oh, I wish I'd done this or I wish I'd made the opportunity to do that. And, yes. and it just, I just really made a decision. There's going to be no regrets at the end of this. So I'm going to, you know, get as fit as I can. I'm going to really get this quality family time, which, you know, you yearn for at times that you, you don't often get. Um, but I'm still going to be able to have an opportunity to, to, to you know, really build some relationships within my um, trust account on my, my my personal marketplace. So there was, you know, in each sort of category, it was like, okay, well, I don't want to look back at this, look back and go, oh, I could do with another lockdown because uh, <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there was some real, real opportunity in that. Um, so you know, and and of course, it, no day is perfect, and um, it became clear to me that I'm not a homeschooler. Um, yes, that's, I mean, <laughs> it's not a strength of mine. Um, but, but again, you, you work with what you've got. And as, as long as you put your head on the pillow at the end of the day and go, yeah, I gave it a good nudge. Can you, can you give me a bit more of an insights there? So when, when you actually did that, you said you wanted to look back at no regrets. Did, did you, with your wife or with your kids or as an individual, did you sit down and actually plan and set, you know, I don't know if goals is the right word for it, but did you, did you set some expectations of yourself that I am going to achieve X, Y, and Z on a daily basis? Like, was, it, was it that level of formality or did you just wake up at the beginning of the day and go, okay, how can I get the most out of today? And you were sort of taking it a day at a time. Yeah, look, it was it was semi structured, but having that 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 lack of structure was quite good as well. So it was like we'll, we'll make sure there's going to be some outside time, but we were outside together, and and meal times became particularly good. Um, where you know, let's cook something together. Let, let let's what what are we going to do today? Um, and, and you know, when we're outside and doing something as a family, you know, devices are away, and and, and let's let's be there. But then, when it's time for homeschooling, and you know, dad's going to lock himself in the office for a little while. Um, yep. So, so having some structure, but ha- having the flexibility. So, yeah, it, it was. We, we we got our routine, and, and you sort of figure it out as you go, of course. Um, yes. But you, and and the routine, as long as there's some flexibility in there, um, we found it, it just just worked well. Is there any lessons like you look back on now? Like, well, can I ask? Did you did you have regrets at the end of it, or did you achieve as you said you wanted to finish it without regrets? Did you still think oh, I I still could have done X or Y a bit better, or were you were you satisfied in yourself that you'd accomplished what you'd hoped to? Yeah, look on reflection, there's there's some things that you know you could always do better, um, but I, I I don't have any regrets. I, I I'm I think I got got a a good 
balance of the family time, the work time, checking in on clients and building in some momentum to, to when, when we got back into an environment where we could actually go out face-to-face and, and meet clients. Um, so, yeah, look, if, if, if we had another lockdown, would I do something differently? Yeah, perhaps slightly. But um, I, I think, yeah, it, it was just having having that decision of, of let, let's let's make the most of this as a family and as a, you know, um, within the business. I want to um I want to delve into a couple of other topics on on resilience, but if I can just stay with the, this lockdown just for for one more a couple of more questions because you know so many of our listeners at the moment find themselves in this situation and and there's no doubt I you know the the lockdown in Queensland as I said it ended yesterday, but the first thing I said to my wife is okay, there's going to be more of these between now and Christmas. Like it's great that this one is done, but this is going to come back until vaccination levels or or whatever uh, barometer that the government decide to use to 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 stop doing them. But if you found yourself in a lockdown now, from a from a work perspective, from a from a real estate perspective, what would you try and do for yourself on a daily basis or a weekly basis to, to make sure that you did hit the ground running come the end of it, Paul? Um, I'd, I'd I'd hit the numbers. I'd try and get through because because that that's the struggle I find on, on on a daily basis. You know, you 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 get busy um, with 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 the listings you've got the you know, the pampering of the clients that you've got. And, and just, just to get through the numbers, that, that, that's an opportunity just to just to really hone down and actually clean up that trust account, you know, because you've got some people in there which, you know, you see that name come up and again and you go, oh, you know, it's been a while, should I call them? Uh, the, the notes there are a bit flowery and you go, this is a ch- just call them, you know, yep. just get on the phone to them and actually have that conversation and that might be time to cull it you know so you actually cull the numbers down and get 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 some some people out of there which which perhaps shouldn't be in there yes. um and so it would be a real opportunity i think just to tidy up that 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 whole um pmp there yeah um, absolutely when you say the numbers, only because I, you know, I'm a salesperson that's obsessed with numbers. So when when you're looking at that, did you were you setting yourself a daily target? Was it was it a weekly target for yourself? How like when you say you want to hit the numbers? First of all, what what time frame of numbers are we talking about? So uh, my my strengths have been more with the with the go zone type numbers than actual the the, the numbers themselves. So it's it, okay. It's yep, doing doing call sessions of, of um, an hour at a time and, you know, to get through at least 10 calls within that hour and, and focusing on the quality um, as much as the numbers themselves. And then, so my focus would be getting those go zones up. So having more of those and, and in itself that, that translates to more numbers. So would you try and do maybe two or three, one hour go zones a day? Like, does that sound like a, probably what was an average day for you in the lockdown or? Yeah, that, that was, and I'd like to get that up. Because you you know at the moment if you can if you if your appointments are set in the afternoon you know if you can if you can structure it that you can prospect in the morning and, and out in appointments in the afternoon you can still do that on a normal day but if, if you're not actually doing the appointments mm-hmm. um, I'd want to get those go zones up to the four or five level yeah terrific so four or five hours in that lockdown mm-hmm. of um of prospecting so which as you say should be should be netting you at least 40 uh 40 conversations a day 40 connects if not if not 50 plus so okay that's great and i i think that's good because i i, I do think it's important in the lockdowns for those guys that are going through it and and you know 
as I said, we, we've gone through it just last week and it's it's easier when it's a shorter period of time. I, I've personally never been in a situation where I was locked down for six, seven, eight weeks. So it's not for me to, to comment on that. But I know that sense of satisfaction, that sense of achievement does come from knowing I've, I've worked today, I've committed to doing X and I've achieved X. Even if X isn't going to lead to a listing or a sale today, I know that I've I've worked at this, I've, I've done at this. And so for those, you know, people who are looking for what are my daily, um, my daily achievements, where can I give myself a tick? What can I class as a result? I think you can start with getting definitely some, some prospecting numbers, which, which Paul goes back to, to what you were saying before about that's an opportunity as well for you to connect with your community and see how they're going and checking in on, on them as well. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. And, and if the conversation stayed around, you know, just like I say, wiping the slate clean before you go into the conversation, how are you? Um, they might be great, but they might be awful. You, you don't know. And, and then, you know, just, just checking in on them. And, and that's people, people remember that stuff. And, you know, it's just, just nice just to, just to check in on people. Absolutely. A word that one of my salespeople used during the week, this week during our lockdown, and I, uh, it's, I think it's actually, it's, it's an exceptionally good word, but um, I asked him how his prospecting was for the day, and he replied with the word polarizing. And what he meant by that was he had people who were so grateful to, to get a phone call from a real estate agent and have a conversation and just interact with someone. And he had plenty of other people who basically told him to, to get stuffed or even more extreme words to that effect. And, and you've got to, as you say, you've got to wipe the slate clean there just because you get that reaction from one person. It doesn't mean the next person isn't going to be grateful for, um, for someone reaching out and connecting with them and saying g'day. Yeah, and, and some people, they might be homeschooling, they're pulling the hair out, and other people, they've now got more time on their hands and, you know, to the point where they just want to talk and talk and talk. <laughs> you know, and you've got to be careful of that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's hard in a lockdown to say I'm driving into a tunnel, so <laughs> it's hard to get that away on people. So, yes, yeah. sometimes cutting those conversations short yeah, can require yeah, a little bit yeah, more yeah. skill than, than usual. We're speaking a lot about these these lockdowns and COVID and you've got earthquakes in Christchurch and other natural disasters that have presented themselves. Townsville a few years ago, they had their floods. 2011, um, you know, going back 10 years now, but that's when, when Ipswich faced these floods. So you've got these bigger catastrophic events that obviously at times as agents we have to deal with. But, Paul, I think you'd agree sometimes resilience in real estate, it's when... It's when it's the 15th of the month and you're on no listings for the month and you just, you can't seem to get that momentum or or you, you're facing down that third month of the quarter and you still haven't cracked base. And, and that's where we've got to be able to dig deep. And I think that's where being resilient in real estate can present itself that little bit more. So um, would you agree with that, that sometimes resilience in real estate is about those, those smaller uh, obstacles that we face or those more... I don't know the word I'm looking for, but you know, I think you know what I mean. Yeah, it's, it's picking yourself back up. Yeah, in fact, that when we we spoke last week, it was um, it was a good example of that. It was there was a, I, I missed the listing, and and it was I actually got the um, follow up on the call listing I really wanted, and, and that they told me, "Oh, look, we've actually um, we've actually decided we're going to auction," and and it was like a, a punch in the guts, and, and you go. So you hang up the phone from that one, and I, I've um, really like it. Um, a saying that uh, Ray Dalio um, says in his book Principles, he says, "Pain plus reflection equals progress." And you go, "Okay, well, the pain of that." And then I reflected on it, and go, "What could have I done better?" You know, and I actually got that phone call 
driving to a listing appointment. I was like, oh. I don't have time to dwell on this. So <laughs> no, I, 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 definitely <laughs> not. But I'm going to reflect on it. And I go, yeah, you know what? I could have done better. I, I, I actually could have prepared a little bit better for that one. And I could have actually spent a little bit more time. So it was a, I'm sure it was a pricing issue. Really just, just talking about, okay, look, here's the, here's the range, but, but spend some more time on the heart price. Look, in this market, this heart price this is what could actually happen and and i think it you know it, it could have gone different but but i had to quickly move on from that and then i went to the next listing presentation and i i'd actually moved on and i got that one and you go great and you've got your momentum and you keep going so so you go you've just got to pick yourself back up i think um but at the same time learn the lesson from that you know for, for, from these um from those moments you know and it's not just missing listening listings it's it's different things throughout any given day that can you know, give you a punch in the face. Absolutely. And as you, you know, you, it's a bit of a theme that's coming up, but you talk about wiping the slate clean. If you, if you carried that, that loss and into that next listing presentation that you went to and you think, oh, I just lost one to auction. These guys are going to want to watch it. Like, you know, you, you can, that can, there's no point in doing that. Can I just repeat that for the listeners? Cause I think that was excellent. So you said their pain plus reflection equals progress. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, and Ray Dalio from uh, from his book. Am I pronouncing that right? Dalio from Principles. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Um, yeah Ray Dalio. He's um, fantastic. In fact, when you get a really good book, what I find is to have the print version and the the audio book, and that's one of those ones where I've actually done both, and I've you know gone through the the, the hard copy and and the the audio, and both of them are just just fantastic. It's probably my uh, best book of the last twelve months for sure. Um, oh, fantastic! And, yeah. I must say I've had a couple of my friends recommend it. I haven't. Uh, I haven't yet uh, gotten into it. So maybe this is the uh, this is the little the little nudge I needed. So it's funny that you say that though. But you know, we talk about resilience. Isn't that in itself just that that self learning, that bettering yourself, reading something good? That in itself can can allow you to give you some perspective to say, all right, and allow you to to move forward and, and work through the obstacles that you're facing. Yeah, and that word you just used there, I think the key one, perspective, is, is just getting some perspective and and just realising that, you know, life goes on. And, and if you're doing the study, you're doing all, all the important things, you're getting the basics right. You know, it's sometimes things land, sometimes they don't, but you're always working towards those, those goals with those basics. And, you know, perspective, I think at the moment as well, you know, talking about, you know, COVID and everything else is... Um, Times might be tough, but people are doing a lot tougher. So you, you 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 get that perspective of actually, there's a lot to be grateful for right here. Um, absolutely, and yeah, perspective is massive in that front. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If it's if it's not too personal a question, if it is, I guess we'll just edit it out of the uh, of the episode at the end. But over over the span of your career, Paul, on on a personal level, where where have you found yourself? struggling like where have things come up time and time again that you're like okay i'm facing this again now i know how to get through that what sort of struggles sort of resurface to to you um time and time again in your career it's the head game i think so i think if you if you're convinced in your own head that the person you're sitting across from or that they're in better hands with you than anybody else it's you know it things will work out and and you'll you'll hit those goals and i think if you you know, if you miss one, but you've, you've put everything into it. Um, in fact, David Knox put it really well. He said, how much control do you have about getting a listing? And actually think, well, you know, you have got control, but you don't. He, he's saying that you've got control of what you put in 
what you get out is up. To, so if you put everything into it, most of them will land. And if they don't, then, then you just you just keep going. And and as yes. long as you put everything in, um, and, and you don't look back and go, I've, 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 I haven't put everything in, then you'll feel good about it anyway. But coming back to what I was originally saying, it's what I've found is is if I'm convinced in my my own mind that they're they're in better hands with me than anyone else. You, you get momentum, you get on a roll, and things go. But if you stay in those moments where you're you're doubting yourself, and it, it's ways to pick yourself back up um, to get back in the game, um, yeah, it's all it's a head game. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The um, do you find in those in those situations when it is a head game, if that when that doubt creeps in, do you do anything like like um, do you have any um any habits or behaviours that you do in terms of affirmations, or or is it simply sometimes going out and doing some exercise and thinking about what you can be grateful for at the time, like to help give you that sort of perspective? Like, is this something you do on a conscious level, or is it something that you find is just ingrained in you that that subconsciously flows through? Yeah, like I find exercise is a big one with that. A good sweat up, you know, just just getting getting it out of the office and, and getting into into the gym or getting active is huge. And, and um, I, I think you just need to slow down the momentum if, if the momentum's going one way, and, and just just find a way to feel good. And if mm-hmm. that's if it's for you, that's exercising. If it's reading a book, if it, whatever it is, just just slow down any momentum of, of negativity to get to a point where where it's a sense of calm, and then you can build up from there. Um, it's. I heard an analogy once. If you've got a, a train going 100 miles an hour in one direction, you don't want a 100 mile. What happens if it goes 100 miles an hour in the other direction? You know, it's going to create a big mess. But but if you slow it down and slow it down and slow it down to a point where okay, now we can start going back in the other direction. And I think that's that's the same. And you know, in your career and many things is if if there's any negativity, slow it down to the point where you go okay, there's a sense of calm and build it up from there. That's um that's really great, Paul. I think that's a that's a really good uh a really good metaphor for people to to, to picture. I'm I'm a very visual person, and I can see that. And you're absolutely right. A hundred mile an hour, and then it's going in the other direction. Nothing but carnage is going to ensue. Then, so yeah, slowing that down to a point where okay, now we can we can bring it back the other way. That's that's really great. That's really great. A good and you know I, I'm certainly no expert when it comes to this, but there's definitely I believe that correlation between physical health and and your mental health. And when you say it is a head game, that to a degree is is how you're handling things on a mental front end and your physical it doesn't you don't have to be an iron man but certainly getting out and walking and getting some fresh air and and taking that perspective sometimes without technology like you said with your family during during your covid lockdown without that those devices can um can allow you just to decompress and give you that that perspective yeah that's right and i think everybody's different but but i think just about anybody if they if they're out there and they're, they're in nature or they're connecting with people that they're they care about you can't help but feel good can you absolutely not absolutely not um if we see our team members struggling so and and we often do this we're we're going along we're 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 having a good quarter but we can see a teammate whether they be another salesperson or a support member you know we can see them struggling a bit how do you find is the right way in that in that sense to to approach your teammates to to try and offer some some help or guidance to them to be of value to be of service to them how how do you tend to approach that sort of situation paul um i think sort of remind them of, of what they they might have forgotten about of what their, their strengths are and and you know you you see someone's head drop and 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 you know, 
they're missing things that that, that we can see of, of what they're doing really good. So it's actually just you know helping them bring back the focus of what's going right mm-hmm. and, and not not going wrong, um, and and just just yeah, just keep going. I, I think just just showing people and and talking about your own sort of tough times and and how you got through them, just just so they can resonate with. You know, it's not just them that's going through that, and how how you dealt with that, and how you move forward with it, um, and and they can sort of go, yeah, you know what, I can keep going. Yeah, that's great, Paul. So I, you know, as you say there, whether whether you're in the lockdown or or it's those day by day sort of things that that present themselves, what we've got to do is find out what are those little behaviours, those little things that we can do, those boxes we can tick. To, to keep us moving forward and keep us keep us in in that right direction as well. So I think there's some really good practical aspects there that you've um that you've covered for us. Yeah, that's right. And the, the more more of those things you can tick off, you know, the, the, the better things will be. Absolutely. I think um I think that train analogy though, I, I think people have, you know, that that really I, I think that's going to stick with me, Paul. That's actually got me really well. That that visual of that train slowing down and 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 reversing in the other direction. But I think there's something telling in that as well for people out of um, you know, coming out of these lockdowns. You you really I remember last year, one of our one of our team members. You know, we I think the longest stint that we really had in lockdown last year was about three or four weeks for us. That was about the longest we did, but. There were, there were certain team members that came out of that just flying with momentum and listing, listing, listing. And as we know, in that market, they became sales. But there was other team members that came back that obviously, you know, hadn't been doing hadn't been doing that work behind the scenes and had been taking it easy. And it took a lot more for them to get their momentum back. So just rest assured that, you know, as, as Michael Johnston used to always say, this too shall end. And, uh, and just if you, you keep persevering, you keep working through, when it is back to some sense of normality in your marketplace, you're going to find that momentum's a lot easier to get that train moving back to 100 mile an hour if you've been putting in the work, uh, like in these, in these lockdown periods. Yeah, yeah, really feeling for those, for those guys, particularly in New South Wales. But yeah, those, those of you that are going to be out there getting yourself ready to hit the ground running, um, you'll be several steps ahead of many other people that won't won't be doing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Thank you very much for that, mate. Thank you. As always, at the conclusion of the episode, we just want to make you all aware of who's available to you on the other end of the Winner's Circle hotline over the next four weeks. So as always, you can ring the hotline at any stage. The phone number for that is available on the Winner's Circle website, which is thewinnerscircle.realestate. Coming up, we've got Gary Nash from Gary Nash & Co Real Estate in Victoria. Gary's history in real estate spanning well and truly over three decades means that if you're lucky enough to get him on the hotline, you're going to have some fantastic perspectives and solutions to uh, to any challenges that you're facing in the field. We've also got Lisa Gregory from Johnson Real Estate on the Northern Gold Coast. Lisa actually attributes a lot of her early success in her career as a salesperson to her ability to actually pick up the phone and use the resource that is the Winner's Circle hotline. So Lisa now a selling principal and a very successful agent in her own right will also offer some very unique perspectives um, to get some good ideas flowing for your solutions. We've also got Andrew Kerr from Kerr Real Estate. Andrew's been a selling principal himself for many, many years and has faced all sorts of challenges in his career 
and deals in a wide variety of real estate spheres, including both residential and commercial, whilst also dipping his hand and, and tipping his hat to property management. So Andrew uh, is available to you. And finally, Kate Kilner. A lot of you will remember Kate from Kil uh, Kate Kilner Real Estate in Darwin. Kate was actually our first ever guest on this podcast. And um, I'm sure you can see just from that episode alone that, um, that Kate offers quite some uh, fantastic perspectives and solutions to any real estate challenges uh, that you might be facing. You never regret, regret a, a call to the hotline, do you? It's, it's, you? We often sort of second guess ourselves, oh, really, should I be asking this or, or should I make the call? And every time you hang up, from it you go <laughs> why didn't I make that call earlier absolutely and it's like your story that you said before Paul I mean you you lost that listing for, for for whatever reason but sometimes that's an opportunity to call the hotline and say look I'm not really after a solution but I, I lost this could you offer any perspective on what I could have done differently this is how it played out just so the next time you're presented with that situation you might be better armed a couple of more arrows in the quiver if you will to um to help help get you get yourself to to win that business and help that client as best you can. Yeah, 100%. Paul, mate, thank you so very much for um for for offering your perspective on on our topic today resilience in real estate. I I really do appreciate your time. I love if you're not following um, you know, I I follow you on LinkedIn, Paul, and you've always got good commentary on your marketplace. You've got good perspectives. You you speak your mind. I, I, I see a lot of, you know, I, I look up to how you handle yourself on a social front. I think it's a really good um, example if people want to be a professional agent in their community, how to represent yourself on social media. I think, you know, you're, you're a good example of that, Paul, but I really think some of the, some of the insights you've given us today is going to be really of value to, um, to our community. So, so sincerely a big, a big thank you for that, mate. Well, thank you. No, look, really appreciate that. And look, everything you guys are doing there, you know, with, uh, with the group and, and, you know, the, the manual and it's just, just, just honestly, there's so much great stuff in there that we can all, um, as long as we stick to, to the manual and what you guys are showing us, uh, we can't but win. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and on that note, if, um, if you've come across this podcast and you're not yet a member of the Winner's Circle uh, community, then please uh, visit our website. That is thewinnerscircle.realestate. And there's some, uh, some inquiry forms on there that we can help you talk to you about how you can, you can join our community for, for training and coaching in the real estate sphere. Um, but if, and also, if you've come across and you've enjoyed this podcast, then please do consider subscribing as well. We'd love to have you uh, next month when we, we're joined by our next guest. But once again, Paul, thank you so very much for your time this morning and I hope you have a, a fantastic month ahead. Thanks, Adam. All the best. Terrific. Ooh, oh, oh.